Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your children's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. You can tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy and Santa, and then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it on your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android and is free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. This episode is also brought to you by my digital media agency, One Circle Media. One Circle creates content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms, servicing networks, studios, brands, and Fortune 500 clients. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was living his toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey, everybody, it's Maddie K. It is Tuesday, March 26, 2019. Just rolling solo on a little mini podcast here to read off some of the latest business news. Uh, Let's see here. The U.S. is building a $500 million supercomputer that can reach exascale performance. That's a quintillion calculations per second, seven times faster than today's fastest system. China has 227 machines on the top 500 list of the world's most powerful computers, compared with 190 for the United States. Uh, I guess this would be used for space exploration, something like that. I can't really figure out. Another reason you would need a quintillion calculators done per second, but good on them. Uh, Let's see here. This is kind of gross. I like chicken. I'm sure we've all heard about genetically modified foods and even like 
foods we think of as food, but they're so modified they're not they don't fit the actual definition of food anymore. I don't know about all of that. Some of it sounds a little conspiracy theory-ish, but this is true. Thanks to genetic selection, the U.S. chicken industry can now produce a 6.3-pound bird in 47 days, roughly twice as fast as 50 years ago. Meat processors such as Tyson Foods produced a record 42 billion pounds of chicken in 2018, but suspect that the intensive breeding has given some chickens woody or stringy meat. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that that would happen. 47 days for a six-pound chicken. I don't know, I just thought they hatched from eggs and I wasn't aware it was so, I don't know, intensely modified, monitored, engineered, however you want to put it. But uh, I guess that's what's given rise to organic food these days. In the sports scene, baseball player Mike Trout is finalizing a 10-year, $360 million extension with the Los Angeles Angels that would give him the largest contract in professional sports history. His deal would be worth a total of 42 point, I'm sorry, $426.5 million and raise his annual salary to $36 million until 2030, eclipsing the 13-year, $330 million contract that Bryce Harper signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. I can't even conceive of that much money. If someone offered to pay me, I don't know, 50, 60 grand a year to do this podcast, I'd, I'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Sure, you know, 50 grand a year just to do this? No, no problem. I don't even know what you do with all that money. I suppose he'll find something to do with it. Uh, let's see. The U.S. will account for 70% of growth in the world's oil production over the next five years, according to the International Energy Agency. Production is expected to rise to 9.5 million barrels of oil per day by 2024. Four million barrels per day more than in 2018. Most of the increase is expected to come from shale fields, which will account for almost half of the U.S. oil output. Wow, I thought we were cutting back on that stuff. <clears throat> what happened to the wind? What happened to the solar? I thought they were going to put stuff in the ocean to capture the energy of waves. Um, maybe that'll change with the next administration. Who knows? Uh, let's see here. Four companies, Coca-Cola, Mars, Nestle, and Danone, produce 6 million tons of plastic waste every year. Coca-Cola alone produces 3 million tons, but plans to make all of its packaging recyclable within six years. I thought it was all recyclable. Jeez, the things you think you know. You know, I thought plastic bottles and all that. I mean, isn't what that the, the deposit is all about? Maybe somebody could email us and enlighten me on that subject. And let's see. This is a longer story. Uh, restaurants, the costs of instant gratification. This is about delivery apps such as Uber Eats. Consumers love food delivery. 
said Heather Haddon and Julie Jargon in the Wall Street Journal. The only problem is that restaurants hate it. They increasingly depend on third-party sellers such as DoorDash, Grubhub, or Uber Eats to take orders and deliver the food. Those platforms generally take a 10 to 25% cut of each sale, but 85% of consumers aren't willing to pay more than $5 for a restaurant delivery, so restaurants usually can't recoup those costs. The few restaurants, a few restaurants have resisted the trend. The 500 outlet Texas Roadhouse Steakhouse chain stopped a delivery test after consumers complained that the food quality wasn't good and that prices were higher than in the restaurants. But most restaurants can't ignore delivery and takeout. Those are now a third of restaurant orders, and the market is likely to grow from $25 billion today to $62 billion in 2022. Profitability getting orders profitably getting orders to your door is a thorny expensive and crucial puzzle restaurants haven't yet solved ordering in is a habit that can quickly and sneakily set you back hundreds of bucks a month said joe magali in thrillist.com <coughs> the average household in seattle for instance delivers 2520 per year spends per year on takeout and food deliveries, the most in the nation. Convenience comes at a cost, said Melissa McCart in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Delivery companies sometimes add an upcharge on top of the $3 to $6 delivery fee, along with surge pricing at peak hours and tips. In Pittsburgh, where the typical family spends $199 a month on delivery, it's becoming common to see half-empty dining rooms even as the staff races to keep up with delivery orders. Restaurateurs bemoan the trend. I enjoy cooking and hosting and entertaining, says one. Delivery apps are taking that away from us. The transformation of restaurants from a social sit-down space to just a kitchen that takes orders is changing the way we eat, said Jesse DeVayans in the Austin Chronicle. A beautifully plated dish must now fit into packaging that can be transported across town without losing its flavor. Aesthetics may now take a back seat. Still, for the lazy and hungry among us, on-demand delivery apps are nothing short of a miracle, said Clint Rainey in New York Magazine. Just remember the people doing the actual... uh, Just remember the people doing the actual delivering. They often watch for the quirks of each restaurant, making sure you get all ten chicken nuggets you ordered, but their pay is meager. For New York delivery worker Krista Gay, only 27% of customers added a tip. Gay likes it as a side gig because she enjoys interacting with people. But if I was relying on the money, forget it. No way. I I find this all somewhat ridiculous. I mean, uh, maybe you, our listening audience, differ, but I have never used any of these apps. I enjoy going to a restaurant and eating. I find the quality of the food definitely suffers on delivery. Uh, when I lived in New York, in New York City, I lived in Brooklyn for many years, probably grand total of 18 years, with a couple of years of Queens thrown in. I had food delivered a grand total of once, and I regretted it. I was doing a lot of work one night, and I just figured, well, okay, I'll order out some food. Um It was Indian food, as I remember, and, you know, it was okay, but I I just don't understand 
being that, especially in New York, like that you can just walk out your front door to your building and pretty much, I don't know, within five, 10 minutes, be at some place to eat. It's not that I didn't order out from places, but I would always go and pick it up because again, like there was a pizza place right across the street. There were, you know, umpteen restaurants around. But even living in the suburbs, if I order something, which is generally just pizza, I don't really order anything else out, I go and I pick it up. And I, I just don't understand this obsession with ordering out food and eating at home. I mean, if you're going to eat at home, how hard is it to cook a meal? And it's way less expensive and it's way healthier. You know me, audience of the working experience, I try not to get on my high horse too, too much about things. We all know that's probably a lie if I listen to my past podcasts, which I really don't. Uh, I probably get on my high horse a lot. But this in particular, I just really don't understand why people need to spend all of this money getting food delivered to their home. I mean, it's, it's not that hard to go pick it up, even if you don't cook. Like, it's not that hard to go get it. It's not that hard to go eat at a restaurant. You know, it's a nice, pleasant experience. You don't have all the crap. You know, also, all this delivery stuff, it creates tons and tons of garbage. And I, I think even people who try to be conscious of that, you know, you end up with umpteen containers, which was my problem with, like, Blue Apron and things like that. Like, I ended up with umpteen containers that I know they say are recyclable, but still. It creates a lot of garbage. And you go to the restaurant, you eat off the plates, you eat off the silverware, they wash it, the glasses and everything, and there's not all this trash generated. I mean, there's some, but there's not a ton. So, I don't know, folks. I think we need to get off our asses, get out of the house, stop making everything about an app, and, you know, go enjoy eating out at a restaurant. As the, the article points out, one of the people in here who seems fairly knowledgeable, um, the aesthetics suffer. You know, if they have to jam everything into takeout containers, and it's just not going to be as good. It's not as hot. It's not as fresh. You don't know what's going on over there at the restaurant. Like, I, you know, I'm not in the kitchen at the restaurant, but I get a general sense of the place. Anthony Bourdain gave some of the best advice I have ever heard on uh, eating out in his book, Kitchen Confidential. That is one of the best books I've ever read in terms of its readability. The subject matter is really interesting. Uh, he does come across a little douchey sometimes when he's like, talks about people who don't work in restaurants as civilians. That always kind of got me as being like, okay, if you do not carry a gun as part of your job, you're a civilian. Like, I don't care whatever else you do. If you're a cop, obviously if you're in the army, uh, I would even put firefighters. I would say firefighters can call other people civilians. Uh, maybe EMTs, but that's kind of crossing the line. I'm not sure about that. But uh, uh, someone who works in a restaurant, no, you're a civilian, okay? You're not doing a dangerous job. He kind of talks about it that way. That's this glamorous, dangerous job. And sometimes I found myself thinking, you're talking about food, right? Like you're talking about cooking food that people eat. Leaving that aside, he's got a lot of really neat stuff in there about what a sous chef does, how a kitchen works, how a restaurant works. 
uh, ingredients that you find at a prep station. I never really knew what shallots were until he explained them, and I use them all the time now. Um, talks about eating out. The best nights to eat out are like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because uh, the regular kitchen staff has had their Sunday off and probably Monday. Um, so I think it was like Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so they're kind of back on their game. They're fresh. They're ready to go. They want to try out new stuff. Um, you know, he said Friday nights are very negligible. Saturday and Sunday are just awful because they're rushed. They're crowded. They're not really able to put their best foot forward. Um, he said, if you see specials on a Sunday night, like a bouillabaisse Bay or something, stay away from it like the plague especially if it's a fish dish because they're just trying to get rid of stuff. And I was like, wow, I never knew that. Like if you see discount sushi run for the hills, because it's like, you don't want discount sushi. Like you don't want a discount eye operation. You don't want discount sushi. You want fresh, good sushi and, and you should be willing to pay for that. Um, what was I going to say? He talked about, yeah, the kitchen, how things work. Yeah, the best night of the week's to eat out. If you eat out on a Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, they know you're local. They know you live there, so they really want to please you. They figure if you live in the area, uh, you're going to come back if you get good service. And, you know, if you're there on a Friday or Saturday night, especially in, you know, he was talking more about Manhattan, New York and whatnot. But the same thing probably applies in a lot of places. They figure you're probably not local. They got so many people to deal with. And, you know, again, they're just not going to put their best foot forward. They're just trying to crank out the meals and get you out of there so they can get turnover. So they can get more people in. Um, so all of that, you know, that, that like experience of going out and having fresh food and, and uh you know, seeing other people, what they get and, and trying something I wouldn't make at home. Like it, it just, you know, again, like why sit at home all the time with these apps and ordering? And it just seems very, it's very depressing. You know, it's again, another example of like social isolation because of technology and, you know, go support your local diner. Go, go have a, a nice, you know, chicken sandwich that they make there with avocado and their own like honey mustard sauce or something like every local place i'm not talking about chain restaurants i've made my feelings very clear on chain restaurants not a fan um and i would never eat at those places or order from them or really have anything to do with it uh with some exceptions i suppose but you know the local places the local diners local italian restaurants i mean they have great food at those places and things I would never order out and want them to deliver. I want to eat it at the table, fresh, really hot, see the waiter or the waitress, you know, leave them a nice tip because they're working, you know, whatever happened to all of that? What about the bread? You know, the bread that they put out that's really good and uh, the Parmesan cheese and all that. I mean, it's all packaged up in those crappy little containers it just really loses something and you end up with all that junk all over the table that you got to clean up so there's my little rant um enjoy yourselves eating out have a wonderful week john and i'll be back at you either tomorrow or the next day with another podcast so thanks a lot for listening everybody
Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.